What's the one thing that no one wants to be honest about? I think it's sleep. <laughs> no one wants to talk about how much they're sleeping or not sleeping because it brings up a lot of shame. Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. This is long overdue, but I'm very excited to welcome Kelsey Elford of Nested Sleep to Keep Calm My Mother On. We have not actually talked about sleep here before, and I'm super glad we get to have this conversation today. Welcome, Kelsey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, so just a little bit about my background so I am a pediatric nurse practitioner. Uh, I worked in the field of pediatric nursing for about 15 years and worked in sleep medicine for a number of years as an NP. Wow. And during that, you saw that there was lots of medical sides of sleep, but there's also a ton of behavioral sides of sleep and setting a good sleep foundation, having good routines, having a good process for sleep and really prioritizing it as part of your health and well-being is so, so important. So I started my own company, Nested Sleep, and have been doing this one-on-one -on -one with families for a little over three years now. And I love the connections that I get to make with families. And then last year, we met because yes. I became a positive discipline parent educator, which I just, that was such a good um good certification to get because obviously it helps so many of my clients, but I also get to use it with my own family too. And it's brought me so much joy in parenthood um, to learn more about positive discipline. So I have a four and a six year old and, and definitely have lived through some of the sleep things. And you know what? It's ongoing, <laughs> just as many parts of parenthood. Absolutely. And I think sleep is um the kind of the common denominator. If like you're of all parenting. Like I remember sitting in the hallway with my six week old for like a newborn check. And there was a mom with a little bit older of infant waiting um, in the clinic hallway too. And I was like, will they ever sleep? Like I just needed someone to reassure me. And she, and she being a very honest person was like, I will tell you no lies. Good luck. <laughs> and, and then it's I like wanted to cry. <laughs> need to work on change. Um, but they definitely, it's an ongoing thing that we need to work on. And I think a lot of times when you think of things that are habit type things and behavior change, it's not a one and done, you know, it's, it's not like, okay, we're done with that and moving on. It's not like teething. And once they come in, you're good. <laughs> Actually, you know, it continues on with ortho orthodontic work. <laughs> Absolutely. And then, and then as these kids grow and get into adult sized bodies with adult habits, right? With cell phones and different introductions, uh -huh. there's a whole Absolutely. ball of wax of sleep that's different or just extracurriculars and staying up late to study. It's like, no, yes. we have to prioritize sleep still. It's really yes. important. I know. 
And with prioritizing sleep, a lot of people don't realize, but there's actually been a number of studies done on maternal health and moms prioritizing sleep. And when children whose mothers have insomnia symptoms, so they're not prioritizing their sleep, those children then fall asleep later, get less sleep, and have less time that's spent in deep sleep. So there's actual studies that show if mom doesn't prioritize her sleep, it, it goes on to the kids. And that's not genetic, right? That's just these habits that are being crossed over um, and the kids are picking up on that. So it's so important to start with mom. Okay. So what does sleep prioritization look like? Like, is it just talking about sleep? Is it having a, a strict routine? It's so confusing. I know, I know. And so obviously there's different bedtime routines and different structures depending on if you're working on for your newborn or working on for mom or your older child or your husband. Um, So you always want to, again, start with yourself, right? Really prioritizing (laughs) your sleep. And so what does that mean? So we know that when you have insomnia, it's trouble falling asleep or trouble staying asleep, then you want to look at your sleep environment. So you want to look at how you're falling asleep. You already kind of touched on the cell phone habit, right? You don't want to have electronics on your nightstand. You don't want to have things that are too tempting, things that are keeping you awake being at an arm's reach. You want to plug in your phone, have your computer (laughs) way further from your bed. Really, you don't want to tempt yourself because you want to have that good bedtime routine yourself. So bedtime routines are not just for babies and toddlers. (laughs) They're very important for adults too because our brains need to pick up on a pattern, right? So our brain needs to know I'm going to do A, B, and C, and then I turn the lights off, and then I go to sleep. If you're doing something different every single night, then you're more likely to have those ruminating thoughts when you lay down because your brain doesn't know that it's supposed to be winding down right then. So even if you're, you know, you want to make sure you're going to bed at a similar time night to night, but you also want to make sure you're doing a similar thing. So for some people that is reading, sometimes that's journaling, sometimes that is guided meditations. I have um, a clock that is called a hatch restore clock, and it's a sunrise alarm clock that also has guided meditations built in. And that's kind of a really good starting point for a routine if people haven't had a really good (laughs) bedtime routine for themselves and are kind of starting from scratch. Um, You would turn the lights off and it has a guided meditation. And as much as I like, you know, that we can have a zillion apps on oh yeah totally um you know again having your phone right there is not ideal for a guided meditation because you're gonna finish the meditation and someone's gonna text you or you're gonna get an urgent work email that you feel like you have to respond to so you want to really set aside that time for yourself you really should value yourself and value your sleep because sleep is productive i think we need to say that right like We are such a focus in American society, at least, about productivity and getting it all done. And if you're a mom, like, I remember there have been phases of motherhood that I chose to stay up super late to get the things done because my kids were asleep and I could finally do something. Um, But then I was, like, wrecked the next day. 
Right. And I think that's what people a lot of times don't realize is how productive they could be in even a shorter period of time when you are rested. Like there's lots of research that shows that when you're exhausted and you're not prioritizing your sleep and you're getting five or six hours instead of seven or eight hours, your productivity goes down. It's very, very low and you're not, you know, not functioning. You're running on fumes and that's not a good place to be for productivity. Also for your health, your mm-hmm. overall health is, is super important, um, especially as a mom and that is valuing your sleep and that's so important. Yeah. And you just don't enjoy life the next day either. Like mm-hmm. you're not the person you want to connect with your kids. Like I snap more at people. I'm impatient. Yeah. All of that side yeah. of it. So seven to eight hours, is that what we should be aiming for, Kelsey, as a grown up? Yeah. And women are higher than men. So women need more sleep. And so it's not uncommon to even need eight or eight and a half hours wow. to feel rested. And a lot of people that feels like more of a failure, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're like, oh, I need eight and a half hours. Like I don't have eight and a half hours. Right. It, I, it, that's, that's super overwhelming to count backwards and be like, wait, I have to go to bed at what time? I know. Um, but it, it's the truth. I mean, sometimes you have to see like where you're going to land. And, you know, some people are more uh, night owls and some people are more, mm-hmm. you know, early birds. But we want to make sure that we are listening to our bodies and you're not just like pounding, you know, a couple espressos a day to stay afloat. Um, but really, you know, looking at when is my body actually telling me that I'm tired and am I pushing past that an hour or, you know, am I getting up super, super early and, you know, that's not working for, for our family. But it also does take time to reset your schedule. So typically, you know, you're not going to want to, if you're you're used to going to bed at midnight because Mm -hmm. you're trying to cram everything in, you don't want to just that night get in bed at nine because then you're going to have these anxiety and ruminating (laughs) thoughts. Yeah, my eyes are bulging out. Like, (laughs) nothing good happens going to bed three hours early when you're not used to it. Exactly. You need to go slow and make small changes over time. And usually, you know, you want to set aside at least three or four weeks to be changing, you know, your schedules in that big of a way. Um, and then really, once you're able to get to a good spot for yourself as a mom, mm-hmm. then you can start looking at routines for the rest of your family. And People ask me very often, you know, when do I start my child on a bedtime routine? Yeah. And start from the newborn time, you know, it can be, it's very simple in the beginning stages and you build upon it. But, you know, as a newborn, you want to start to define different things that the baby is doing. They're mm-hmm. eating, they're sleeping, and they're awake for a very short period of time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you want to really set aside this is time when baby is eating and this is a time when baby is awake or playing and this is a time when a baby is sleeping. So that's kind of the first routine is just knowing the difference between those things. And okay. That's really it. Um, and then as babies get older, as they get to be more of like the four to six months of age, mm-hmm. then you can add in a book or a song into the routine. And it's just the same pattern that we talked about for mom needing to know I'm going to do A, B, and C and then I go to bed. It's the same for a baby. So you, they would know I'm going to put my sleep sack on and then we're going to read a book and then I get in my crib. 
and that to their brain, even starting at four, five, six months of age. That's impressive. Predict a pattern. They know, okay, we're going to do this, this, and this. And, you know, as babies get to be more like a little more like eight to nine uh-huh. months, it's really adorable to watch babies that have been doing this routine. They point to their crib at the end, you know, they point <laughs> over, they know what's coming next, right? Is um, it important in a situation like that for the book or the song to be the same? How consistent does a parent need to be here? That's a great question. So the book, it can be similar. Some babies, you know, get really, really Mm -hmm. into having the same, same. I read the little blue truck like a zillion times at one point. Yeah, I have a couple Sandra Boyton books memorized even now. My oldest is 16. (laughs) Yes, yes. And so that is fine for it to be the same. But if the, if your baby or child does not care, you can rotate the books as well. Um, and then toddler age is a very visual time period for those. <laughs> and so having like visual routine charts and having things that they can see and know what to expect and giving a lot of choice during the bedtime routine yep. can be super, super helpful. Uh, we know from positive discipline, you know, giving ch- kids choices they feel like they're a part of the process. They feel like they're a decision maker in your family and they are super, super excited to choose what book they're reading and what pajamas they're wearing. And, you know, you want to continue to foster that independence throughout the routine as well, especially as your children are getting into more preschool and school age, giving them roles, things that they're doing, things that you're doing. Yeah, that Um, makes sense. Really Are there that. common hurdles that all parents face with sleep that you hear over and over again? Yeah, there's definitely um, there's sleep regressions. They're not like at set ages. Like okay. for most sleep regressions, they can be quite varied from child to child, but they're related to stages of development. And okay. so there's always going to be a change physiologically in sleep as baby gets close to four months of age. So the four month sleep regression is, is truly a thing, but some babies will, you know, express it in much bigger ways <laughs> than others. Um, but the four month sleep regression is when you go from, you used to as a newborn have majority of your sleep is in REM, your rapid eye movement, your dreaming sleep because they're growing. They're frequently, you know, having a lot of that hormone, that growth yeah. hormone that's being secreted. And then they don't need as much of that as they're getting older. And so then they don't go into as much of that REM sleep. Oh, after wow. The four time period. So it's an actual brain change that happens then. The rest of the sleep regressions are more so related to when the child's going through particular stages of development, such as separation anxiety, uh, such as, you know, pushing boundaries and mm-hmm. control, which is good. It's really yeah, good. To I feel like each of that. my kids interrupted their sleep independently when they learned how to stand. I would find them standing in the middle of the night. Like, I don't know what to do. Uh-huh. <laughs> Absolutely. So it can be physical stuff. It can be stuff going on in their brain. And that's all changing. And then actually, there's a big one that changes as a teenager as well. Oh, wow. Tell me, please. So teens, they have changes to their circadian rhythm or their body clock that happens. And so they naturally will want to go to bed later and wake up (laughs) later in the morning. Now, thankfully, in most of Virginia... 
uh, we've done a pretty good job with later school start times. Um, so it actually started, there was research done in Richmond, Virginia on school start times and how, you know, kiddos do much better in mm-hmm. school, have much better mental health and much better safety, like not as many car accidents that makes and sense. stuff happen when school start times are later and more aligned with how their body clock should be and is as a teenager. So it's best to allow them to be on their natural body clock and not force them to be going to bed at <laughs> 8 or 9 o'clock anymore because they're just not going to be tired. And if we tell anyone, adults <laughs> included, to lay in bed when you're not tired, it's not good. It's not good for our brains to, you know, have that insomnia going and they, they start worrying about things. This is and- a really timely reminder um, because my 15-year-old, I'll be like, are you ready for bed? Because I'm exhausted. And she's like, no, nope, not right. tired. And, and so it's this new dance of like, oh, okay, well. <sighs> it feels weird for you to go to bed before your child. Uh-huh. But at the same time, you know, you want to be at a point where you trust them. Right? Absolutely. Trust yeah. They can have a bedtime routine and that they know how to do it and they know when to do it. And, you know, you have to have those conversations with kids to mm-hmm. not be like, yeah, you can't play video games till one just because you're not tired. <laughs> but, you know, here's what your routine is. And I'm going to go to bed because I do trust that you're able to, you know, follow through yeah. on this routine. So are there basics to a routine? Like you talked about the infant routine, but when you get to like a preschooler or a school age kid, I think parents kind of lose what to do when it's not just a tiny baby anymore. Yes, definitely. So there is lots of evidence of reading with your children being beneficial for a lot of things for both their reading level and their comprehension and your connection with your child at that time. A lot of kids, it's just the time of day where they just pour their heart out to you. (laughs) And so you really want to try to make time and be present during that bedtime routine process. But, you know, it doesn't need to be long. And, you know, some for some kids, we do need to limit it. Some kids that get to be school age and teenage <laughs> kiddos, um, you know, they would love to read these chapter books or something for, you know, totally. hours and hours. <laughs> and so you do I was one of those reading. kids. Were you? Did you stay up late reading? I stayed up. I loved journaling. I would oh. like write stories and journal and do all these things. But um But yeah, there does need to be some time limits on, you know, going through that process. But definitely setting aside at least a half an hour for some reading and some, you know, one-on-one time with your child if you can during that time period. Um, And then you also want to make sure that you're not having electronics within about an hour of bedtime. I was going to ask, where is the magic window? What What is the time period? Is it one hour now? Some people are sensitive and if you, you know, you have to just see where things go Mm -hmm. with you or your child on that. Some people need a more of a two hour window. Um, but generally about an hour before bedtime, you want to make sure you're winding down all the electronics and. A lot of people ask me, well, what if I have, you know, the blue light modifier on? (laughs) And what if I have the blue light glasses? It doesn't fully block it all out. So and it's not just the blue light and the melatonin. Mm -hmm. That's a huge part. But we also know that like 
scrolling on social media really gets our heart rate up and it gets this dopamine flowing. And that's not what we want to be doing right before bed. And so it's not just the blue light. It's also how that is making you feel being on your electronics. That's good. That's good information to hear. I don't think I'd made the connection with the dopamine and the heart rate. And like, I, I knew news was bad for right me right before bed, but um, the scrolling right. and what the social connection of social media, social in quotations, right. um, can do to your body in a physiological way. Exactly. It's interesting. Exactly. So, you know, trying to still have some kind of separation and not just like stopping the scroll and like going down into bed, um, having some things in between like reading, like journaling um, can be very helpful. Um, and teaching your kids about those things, too, because, you know, they're only with us for this <laughs> short window of time. Yep. And, you know, we want to teach them good habits and we want to help for them to see that we're doing these good habits. Too. Yeah, it seems like these habits are things that we need to model more than just preach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. It's good for kids to see that you have a routine, too, and that, you know, you have a book on your bedside table and, and not your phone. <laughs> yeah, that I mean, it's much harder. We're really good with getting the kids cell phones out of their beds at night. But I I haven't broken that habit. But you're inspiring me, Kelsey. <laughs> it can be helpful to have a charging station for electronics like yeah. outside of the bedroom that everyone puts them in. Um, and, you know, we haven't quite gotten to that point. My kiddos don't quite have electronics yet yeah. or at least have phones yet that they're on. Um, but that can be a good hub to just say, like, these are our family rules. They're not just rules that I'm imparting on you. Uh, this is something that we're doing as a family. Yeah, my kids are really good at it. Like, that was really, like, a number one thing that we started when they got their phone. Um, but it wasn't a number one thing that I started when I got my smartphone, right? So it's a much yeah, harder I mean, habit to break now. Exactly. The more, the longer you've been doing anything, uh, the longer it can sometimes take to break that habit and, and have new change happen. So you but. mentioned um, melatonin earlier and with the blue light. Are there people, there's been like highs and lows of kids taking melatonin and supplements for sleep for grownups. What's the information we should know? Yeah, great question. And we'll link in the show notes. I have a YouTube and a blog on melatonin as well because it's a hot topic. And the ingestion of melatonin went through the roof in 2020 during the start of the pandemic. I am not surprised. <laughs> and they're like, I need a quick fix. And melatonin was it. Uh, but melatonin is a supplement. It's not regulated by the FDA, right? So it is a vitamin supplement. They can have anything they want in it, okay? So that means that you think you're just buying melatonin, but it could also have mixed in Benadryl and magnesium and other oh. types of things. And they don't have to list it on the bottle because it's not a regulated medication. And so that's a super important thing. It's like, yes, we don't have a ton of information studies on melatonin in children, but we do know that a lot of other medications aren't good for kids to take on a regular basis. And mm -hmm. we don't really know what's in the supplements. So that is a challenge in and of itself and kind of probably a, a whole nother topic of yeah. conversation. 
But that's something that a lot of people are not aware of for supplements is that there is not a regulatory body. They do not have to be regulated by the FDA for that. Um, so melatonin, what is it, right? It's a yeah. hormone that our body does naturally create. Um, but just because our body creates melatonin does not mean that we should <laughs> ingest more of it. Our bodies all really with the exception of a few children, um, children on the autism spectrum disorder we know may not really release as much natural melatonin, um, but most people, their bodies and their brains are doing just fine releasing mm-hmm. melatonin. It's just that we're doing all of these things before bed that we shouldn't be doing and then trying to go to bed when it's when, you know, we would like to right in that immediate moment when that's not really melatonin should be slowly released over time within your body. Gotcha. And it's most regulated by light. So it's most regulated okay. by both real sunlight and artificial light. And so. You should get natural light first thing in the morning, uh, within the first couple hours of the day, open those windows, get some natural light okay. in. Uh, that really can help regulate your own natural melatonin. Ultimately, melatonin should not be given on a regular basis for children or adults yeah. unless it is a prescribed medication by their doctor for those, you know, few um, subsets. Right, of a select group that, that you would have medical conversations about. Other times it is typically your child not falling asleep from a behavioral reason. So sometimes that could mean that they have trouble falling asleep independently Mm -hmm. without mom and dad, and that needs to be addressed and worked on. Or there's some insomnia, whether it be from a medical or behavioral standpoint. Um, But typically melatonin is is not going to be the answer for that. And also melatonin only helps us fall asleep. It's the hormone that helps us fall asleep, but it never is going to help you stay asleep. That's good to know because, yeah, I know that um, at different phases, right, we've had kids that struggled with going to sleep alone and then the kids that struggled to stay asleep in the middle of the night and then you woke up and there's like a child standing right above you (laughs) (laughs) and it's terrifying so what do you do what's your best situation for that one when a kid wakes you up in the middle of the night is there a best case scenario of helping them without engaging them We always want to make sure we are recognizing that however we fall asleep is the same way that we're going to fall back asleep overnight. So if your child needs to hold your hand as they're falling asleep, they also are going to need your hand to fall back asleep. So you should, if you, if that's something you're okay with, then you also need to be okay with walking them back to their room and holding their hand as they fall back asleep. If it's something you want to work on, then you would work on developing those independent sleep skills either on your own or with the help of a sleep consultant to, you know, have yeah. a plan in place to get you there. Um, and you'd always want to make sure that conditions are the same as you're falling asleep as when you fall back asleep. The other um, kind of caveat, you, you could have natural bedtime fears that are coming up mm-hmm. overnight. That's a very normal <laughs> developmental process for kiddos. And so bedtime fears you are going to want to address usually more so during the daytime because you don't want to start to get into talking about these deep, scary nightmares in the middle of the night. We set ourselves up sometimes, right? Like you mentioned earlier how we want kids to go to bed instantly when we've hyped them up for like an hour right before bed. Or, (laughs) yeah, you can't have the scary conversation right before bed either. No, no. So, um 
so we can we can link. I have a, a blog on bedtime fears as well. Um, but that is a very normal developmental thing to to go through, and it's all how we're responding to it as parents and making sure that they do feel safe and that you're, you're using that kind and firm mentality here too, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you seem really scared, right? Like telling them, validating the emotion. That seems like a really scary dream that you had. And it's time for us to go back to that. <laughs> it's just like, it's yeah, you just repeat it. Like, uh-huh. I hear you. I'm, I'm validating those are really big feelings to have right now. And, you know, we'll talk more about them in depth tomorrow. But right now, you know, I'm going to be here and you're going to be falling back asleep. That's good to know. Um, so when is the time to ask for help when either you're not sleeping as a grown up, right? Or your kid isn't sleeping and it's really impacting you. Yeah, that's a great question. So you never want to feel like, okay, you just have to live with this for a certain amount of time or that it's just going to get better. For example, we know that with moms, right after you give birth, there's postpartum insomnia that happens for 40 to 60% of women, which is so, so high. Um, and so about 40, 60% will experience insomnia within six months of having a baby, but 41% still have insomnia at two years. Okay. My mind is is blown. Way too long, like way too long that we're just telling moms that that's a normal process to have a baby. It's just not. And so you should never feel like you just have to like tough it out and wait it out to get help. Um, because sometimes it's just resetting and having a bedtime routine. Other times your baby or child may need some sleep training, may need some assistance uh, and help and having a plan to be able for them to fall asleep more independently on their own. And, you know, a lot of people ask, well, when's the right time to sleep train? Mm-hmm. And it's whenever you're ready because <laughs> consistency is the most important thing in that. And so if you feel pressure from society to sleep train at six months, but you and your mama heart, you're like, no, I, I don't, I'm not ready for that. Then that's not the best time. So but if bedtime if, is working for you, you don't have exactly. to change it. Exactly. But if you're getting up four, six times a night and you're exhausted <laughs> and your child's a year and a half old, like, please don't wait like years and years to think that, you know, you just have to tough this out. Right. People are going to help. Because there are medical reasons why a kid can't sleep. I remember talking to a mom friend whose kids are much younger than mine. And I was like, have you thought about reflux? Like what you're describing sounded more like silent reflux that was disturbing sleep. Um, But the mom was so sleep deprived just thinking about sleep. um, It was hard to see a bigger picture. Exactly. Hard to see the bigger picture. And people just feel shame sometimes Mm -hmm. to bring up that they feel like it's a reflection on their parenting. And it's absolutely not. Oh, absolutely. It it does feel like um, one of those things that you're instantly judged about because people ask you, like I asked that mom when I was, then I had my first six week old, like, will they ever sleep? Like that's, do they, can they, do they know your name or numbers? Like they, one of the one trick ponies of kids is how are they sleeping? (laughs) I know. And then we put this reflection on them already at a very young age of, are you a good or a bad baby? And it's just, that's so sad. Like that should not be how it is. It's just, you know, we all have different temperaments and we all bring 
all our different joys to the mm-hmm. world. And that should have nothing to do with how you are sleeping at <laughs> one or two months of age. Oh, I think this conversation is going to make someone feel super liberated from from themselves to having tiny kids, the teenagers. There's so much here. And and I'm just so thankful you got to come on. If you could give one sleep tip to a mom, is there one last tip that you would want to make sure a family hears from you? I would say to make sure you have a plan for support. And that can look like so many different things. It can be that your partner is helping you out so you can have a five-minute morning routine. It can be that you are getting a postpartum doula. So then, you you know, if you have multiple kids, right. you're able to, like, balance getting a little bit of a nap in or uh-huh. a little bit of you know, daytime support, um, or it can look like hiring a sleep consultant to just come up with a plan for having, you know, good night's sleep and what that can look like for your family. It's so good to know the resources are out there. And it's not just the dry book that you can pick up off the bookshelf anymore. There right. are people. Right. <laughs> you can. Yes, I mean, that's why I, that's why I do what I do. I just, I want to be able to support families in a way that, you know, we don't have the same kind of village that we should have as parents. And you always, you don't want to go through parenthood alone. You want to know like who your people are (laughs) and who your village is that you can reach out to when, when things are hard, when regressions are coming up, uh, (laughs) because they will, right? Like that's, that's expect the the unexpected. Yep. (laughs) Exactly. Um, but having people you can reach out and having support, and knowing knowing who that is is so valuable. Well, I'm glad we have you on our team now, Kelsey. <laughs> I'm so glad, too. So every episode here ends with a self-care idea and a family fun idea. So what are you doing for self-care for you right now? All of our different seasons of motherhood all look different, mm-hmm. right? So for me, self-care is short self-care things throughout the day. So like five minute or less self-care activities that are for myself. So in the morning I do like a face roller, a nice cold face roller and I have eucalyptus in my shower and I set aside five minutes to read before bed. So not a half an hour, right? Like (laughs) I'm not like just five minutes. Uh, I do a morning stretch when I wake in the, I wake up in the morning um, and again, I'm not doing a 30 to 60 minute workout right now yep. in this season, but I am doing five minutes. And so that's my self-care is to just like really short snippets throughout the day that bring me joy. I love that. That's a really good reminder. When um, the first deployment that my husband was on, I started this idea with myself of 60 second self-care. If I could just get in one minute exactly. a couple of times a day that it just made my cup feel so much fuller when I went to bed. And that matters. You matter. I'm glad you're fitting in a bunch of different five minutes. And I love the eucalyptus in the shower idea. Feels like you're at the spa. (laughs) (laughs) So how are you having fun with your kiddos and your family? Um, we are big into games right now. Um, so we, I mean, I grew up, we played so many board games and, and I just love playing. <laughs> so it's fun to get back into that with, with the kids. Uh, we like card games too. So we're playing a lot of Uno and War and things like that. 
Um, but it also just teaches the kids about winning and losing and you're right there with them mm-hmm. as you're encouraging them to have those big feelings that they just lost. Um, but that is really helpful to encourage them to be happy for the person that won and, and you're with them during that process. So that's been, been really fun doing some Saturday game nights. That's really great. I have an Uno suggestion. If you haven't played Uno Flip yet, it is an advanced no. level of Uno because the whole okay. deck flips over to a different set of colors. Oh, very fun. And so you've got the dark side and the light side of colors. Um, and everyone has to reverse their cards. So you may not be ready with your younger one yet, but your older one might be. Cause could be a good birthday gift. Though. Yeah. And, and definitely those tears of futility, right? Of just crying to feel the feelings with games is such yeah. a life lesson. Absolutely. Well, I am so thankful. Where's the best place that people should find you online, Kelsey? So website is nestedsleep.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all that social medias (laughs) uh, at Nested Sleep. Fantastic. I want you to know that I think you are exactly the right mom for your kids. And I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. I hope you feel more confident about putting your kids to sleep and how to fix any sleep issues that you might be having. Always find a kind expert and expand your team when you're struggling and you don't know what to do next. Don't forget, I am so glad you are here on earth and you are exactly the right mom for your kids. I would love it if you texted this episode to two or three friends and left a new rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and I hope you have just a good enough day. 